Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. This story has been stirring in me. And it does have a bit to do with, you know, where we've um, been on Sunday mornings and just this theme, the door is open. So I'm going to kind of stay in that vein tonight. Is that all right? Can we do that? Well, if it's not all right, we're still doing it anyway, so we might as, might as well say it's all right. Um, Judges chapter, the, the, the book of Judges, I don't Anybody read Judges recently? Oh, you have, Sarah, haven't you? Because you've been just pounding through the, the Old Testament this year. You have, Miss Roxanne? Is it not the most frustrating book in the entire Bible? Oh, really? Just go to the translation that sounds right. That look makes it, puts a positive spin. Huh. That's... Anyway, that's... Uh, so this phrase, this is really interesting, this phrase in Judges, seven times shows up, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, or, and the children of Israel did again evil in the sight of the Lord, all right? Now, Judges spans about 300 years, and this is a time when there was no king. And so Israel was in, Joshua had died, and now they go into 300 years without a king and without an obvious leader unless the Lord raises one up. And this leader that the Lord would raise up, their, their job from God, their call from God, would be to bring Israel out of captivity because they did evil inside the Lord. So they, the Lord would allow them to be taken into captivity because they forgot him, and so he let them enjoy the consequences of rejecting God. And then, sure enough, they'd get tired of that bondage, they'd get tired of that oppression, and they would call out to God. Sure enough, he's there. He'd raise up a, a, a judge or a, actually, uh, a deliverer for Israel. And that deliver, the word deliverer means savior. They were, they were saviors along the way to save Israel from oppression. Really, they are types of Christ. Some of the judges that you're familiar with, anybody familiar with Othniel? No, not really, but Othniel is one of the judges. He was um, Caleb's nephew. I think he was Caleb's nephew. He's the first judge that was appointed. But then you know of Samson, of Deborah, Jephthah. Jephthah, the guy who made the craziest vow in the world. And this vow was... Uh, Jephthah wasn't necessarily walking with God, but he was kind of the lesser of all the evils there. And so God used him, and Jephthah re restored Israel. He was a great warrior, great fighter. And so what he, he made this vow to God on his way home. And he said, Lord, thanks for helping me in this war, so I'm going to make a vow. When I'm coming home, the first thing that opens the front door to greet me, I'm going to sacrifice to you. Why in the Lord's name would that be the vow he would make? And as he's heading home, he sees the door open, and his one and only child, his daughter, walks out the front door. And that's what he did. <gasps> he made a vow that he would sacrifice her to God, and he says, what have you done? 
I would have said, what have you done? I'm just coming to greet you. And, well, you know what? She said, if this is what you promised God, then that's what we're going to do. Virgin daughter. But she said, first, let me go find myself and put a backpack on and hike the mountains with my friends. And so the next three months, that's what they did. And when that time was up, she gave herself up to be sacrificed so that her dad could fulfill his vow. Odd story. I mean, some of these stories in the book of Judges, you're like, what in the world? Anyway, then there is, um, well, then there's a guy named Gideon. This guy um, is the, more, the one we're going to focus on tonight. He was one that the Lord raised up. But there was, this is the time when there was no king. And I want, to, I want you to see kind of what the condition was here. This is, Judges says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Uh, otherwise, chaos. I guess we could just call that chaos. Or anarchy. Everyone's got their own set of rules, and if it's right for me, then it's right for me, and whatever's right for you is right for you. How many of you know that doesn't really work out all that well? Huh? Uh, for, because for just a moment, let's, let's think about this. If, if, if that's the standard we're going to live by, then we have no reason whatsoever to think that what um, ISIS or uh, the Taliban is doing is evil because it's right for them, right? To them, it's right. To them, this is a holy cause, and they must take out the infidel. They are full of the conviction, and they believe that they are doing that for God. So is this the standard we should live by? If it sounds good to you, then it's okay. No, this is not. Everyone just kind of lived their own way and did whatever. The saddest part of this is that Joshua, the, uh, the, the prior leader, the one who brought them actually into the promised land, after Moses took him out of bondage, Joshua took him into that land of promise, and one of the last things he told them before he died was, remember to tell your children. Don't forget to pass on what God has done to your children. Teach these things diligently. That's why we've built some of these monuments. You know those 12 stones that we set up after we crossed the Jordan into the promise? We built that so that your children would ask the question, what are those rocks for? And then you tell them what happened. That was the day that God split the Jordan and we walked across and came into it. And then we took Jericho. You know, watch the walls fall flat. Talk about the marching around the city. Tell the miracles. Tell the time how God intervened. Tell your children, because if you don't tell your children, if you forget to tell them, then it's over. Because we must know where we came from if we are to know where we are going. The moment we lose history, sight of history, then we become an aimless, wandering people. Um, one of the things that uh, Judges chapter 2 in verse 10, Brooke, if you can just go on the fly with me here. I'm sorry I didn't prep you with this, but so far Ashley gave you a good start, right? When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So what happened? They didn't teach their kids. They didn't pass down the their history. They didn't pass down where they came from. They didn't pass down the stories. And so when that generation died off, another one rose up that did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Can you imagine that? How do you forget to tell those stories? How do you not take the time to teach your children these things? So we can't blame this generation. 
They didn't know. They didn't know where they came from. They didn't know the history. Well, this is what happened there. So their children now have no foundation to stand on. And so God is ultimately forgotten. Um, also, then it goes on to say that they, the children of Israel, that they, they did evil inside the Lord and served the Baals. You can keep going in that. Yeah, there we go. Let's look at verse 12. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. So they, they begin to identify with the people that are in the land. Now, these are people they're supposed to conquer. Remember, when they came into the promised land, God told them about all the people would be there that they would have to conquer in order to possess that land. But this generation, they didn't know that there was, they were supposed to be fighting. They didn't, they didn't know the stories, so they just kind of mingled in with them, and they started serving their gods and doing exactly opposite of what they should have been doing. Wow. So... Had they remembered Joshua, they would have known about his farewell speeches. They would have known about what he said, how he emphasized the covenant that God had made with Israel and uh, the responsibility that these leaders had to teach uh, these things to the people and then to follow the ordinances of God. And, you know, when you forget the word of God, you forget what he has spoken to you as promised, then you're in danger of forsaking his word. And, and this explains how Israel could just turn so easily to these vile and Vicious worship of Baal and all these, all these ways. So let's go to Judges now, chapter 6. Just wanted to give you a little backstory to know this era, this time in Israel's life, because as I said, it's a frustrating book. Just as you see some heroic thing, uh, uh, God raises up a deliverer and they come out, and man, they've got peace in the land. And then, and Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, seven times throughout this book, you see this same thing, this pattern over and over again. So we're going to come to the uh, story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. And it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So at this point, because they had done evil inside of the Lord, they have now come under the oppression and the rule of the Midianites. Okay? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. It's kind of interesting. The angel of the Lord is no ordinary angel. There are angels, and then there's the angel of the Lord that we see in the Old Testament, who is Jesus. All right? This is the Lord himself, the angel of the Lord. And, and he showed up in, I mean, amazing ways, with great splendor at times. He appeared to uh, Moses, you know, at, on the backside of that wilderness, in Exodus chapter 3, in that burning, fiery uh, uh, bush, but the bush wasn't being consumed. And the angel of the Lord is in that. He's in that fire. And then we also know that he, he uh, um, let's see, who else? Oh, Joshua. Remember when we talked about the angel, the commander of the army of the Lord showed up? And he, he, when Joshua saw him, he walked toward him. He saw a man with the sword drawn in his hand. Ominous. This time he shows up sitting under a tree just sitting under a tree. And there's no halo or harp or to identify him as an angel. Are those things I will identify angels or do we make all that up? Or some little wings in the back. Uh, but there was nothing obvious that this was an angel or the angel of the Lord because of the way Gideon responds. Now watch this. 
Look what he says. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So, this is interesting. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, oh, my Lord, little L, see, he doesn't know who he's talking to. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If God is good, if he's on our side, why does all this stuff happen? You've heard people say it, may have even said it yourself. Why is all this happening to me? If God's for me, where is it? Right? So we can kind of relate to Gideon here, right? All right? He kind of just walked right into our life. And watch this. And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Oh, so Gideon was one of the few, apparently, that got the history lesson. Somebody passed this information down to him because he knew about it. He heard the stories. He said, so where, where, where are all those miracles? Because um, I'm looking around here, and there's nothing like that. All I hear are stories. All I hear are what is what used to happen, what God used to do about the great revivals of back then. But I don't see anything here. My, my dad told me these stories at night when he laid me down and tucked me in, and he would tell me about how God split the Red Sea and, and how those ten plagues came from God to, to drive Israel out of Egypt and to, to make Pharaoh finally bend his will and, and give in and let the people go. And, and, and where is he? I heard, that, I heard about the man Moses who struck a rock in the wilderness and water poured out of that rock. Heard it tonight from Ashley, too. That Where is that? Where are the miracles? I hear all this supernatural stuff, but let me just say, ain't, uh, sir, I live in the real world. And there ain't no miracles here. We're not seeing any of this. Matter of fact, it's pretty frustrating for me because I hear these stories. It's like I'm a walking contradiction. I have this knowledge that, of this possibility. I have this knowledge that this has happened, this history, but there's no proof here before my eyes. Where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? Which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Wow. Can you sense his frustration? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Go in this might? What might? What might has Gideon shown this angel of the Lord? Where's the might in that? God has forsaken us. Where are the miracles? Go in this might of yours. Oh, besides that, I'm down here hiding this wheat so the Midianites don't, can't see it. I'm down here fearing my life, and I got questions, and you're telling me to go in this might of mine? What's so mighty about that? God forsook us. We don't see any evidence. All I got is stories. Go in this might of yours. It's like, did you hear a word I just said? How do you interpret that as might? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. 
because nobody else is asking those questions, Gideon. Nobody else is looking for the supernatural. Everybody else is living with no rule in their lives. They've rejected my kingship and my lordship. They're living life however they want to, but you're asking the right questions. Where are the miracles? Where's the supernatural? Because I can use a man who's looking for me. I can use a man who's wanting me to show myself strong on his behalf. Go in this might of yours. In your seeking, in your questioning, I'm going to show you. Because you asked. Hmm? Maybe you need a miracle tonight. Anybody here need some supernatural intervention in your life right now? Huh? See, here's the thing. We need God. Whether we acknowledge that or not, we need Him. We need Him. He made us to need Him. Amen. To not live a life independent of Him. He made us to need Him. He made us to, to, to be able to believe in Him and to expect His supernatural power and intervention and miracles to be seen. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the land of the of Midian. Have I not sent you? So I said to him, oh, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. In other words, we are the weakest. That means uh, we're not really the fighters. We're, we're kind of the, we're the lovers. We're the huggers. Huh? And not to mention, I'm the shortest one in the bunch. Isn't that like human nature, though? He gets an answer from the Lord. Go, go, go. You can do it. And then start trying to figure out all the reasons why you can't. Oh, hold up, Lord. Not so fast. Where are the miracles? Hey, go in this. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hang on a second. I spoke out of turn. First of all, I can't. Because this is the situation I'm in. This is the family I come from. This is the environment. I'm a product of my environment. Hmm? This is how I was raised. This is, this is just what I come. And so I'm bound by that. This is, so I'm sorry. And, and I certainly can't go now. Go in this might of yours. Listen, what Gideon didn't understand at this moment is that everything that he had to say to the Lord here all the reasons why that he was giving this angel of the Lord. I'm too small and too weak. What he didn't understand is that those are the people that God calls. As a matter of fact, let's bring up 1 Corinthians. Because God has this checklist of, of the kind of people he calls into ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, I think. For, oh yeah, there it is. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world <laughs> to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Wow. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Wow. You know, I got to thinking about that and thinking about that scripture. And, and after I read that, I'm thinking, Lord, you called me. What, what must you think of me? I 
And I love this because we don't get to boast then after that. I'm called of God, bless God. That means either you're weak or you were stupid. You're a fool. All right, so way to go. Oh, yeah, to God be the glory. Yes, you're right. It took me a while to figure that out, why God called me as a 10-year-old kid in Thackerville, Oklahoma. But when I read that, it, made all per- it all made perfect sense, you know? It just made perfect sense. But, you know, I can remember something about that I was, I was thinking about. That, and I know you've heard me tell this story about the day I was called to preach. And, but it's, it's one of the most powerful moments in my life, um, just in it, my experiences with God. And I can remember going home after church and just having that incredible experience how God called me. And um, I knew I was called. He touched me there. And, and went home, and my mom had my, gosh, she made chicken fried steak for lunch that day. Chicken fried steak. Just felt a holy moment just come in the room. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for chicken fried steak. And, and, and then my grandparents had a garden, and she, she made these red peel potatoes, you know. Those, we'd pick them out of that Thackerville dirt. And then she'd put, I don't know, a stick or two of butter on top of them and melt them. Oh, are you hungry yet? And then some fresh green beans or something. I mean, it's one of my favorite things that my mom made was her chicken fried steak. And I, we're sitting at the, the table for, for Sunday lunch, and, and I'm looking at this. And I, th- I think about this. I'm 10 years old. I don't know a, a 10-year-old boy. I can't remember as a 10-year-old boy a day that I was not hungry. A 10-year-old boy is hungry all day long. You cannot put enough in there and just eats, 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 eats. And I'm sitting there about to eat my favorite food in the world, but some, there's something happening. I can't figure out what the, what the problem is, except I'm just not hungry, which was very strange for me because my parents always talked about what an eater I was. As a matter of fact, when I left for Bible school in a family of five, the grocery bill, Dad said, was cut in half. So... I was responsible for a lot of consumption. And this, but I'm looking at this, and, and for the first time ever in my life, I'm not, I don't have any desire for it. It's like this, something else had my attention. Something else was pulling on my desire that all of a sudden this just didn't do it for me, at least for now. And so I told my mom, I said, Mom, I, I, I can't eat. I'm, I'm not hungry. To which she was startled by that. And she looks across the table at my dad. She says, John, something's wrong. To which my dad said, oh, he's fine. Hand me that his chicken fried steak. <laughs> yeah, you can go, boy. You can be dismissed. So I, I didn't know what to do. I just felt this, this pulling on me, you know. But I, I couldn't articulate what I was feeling. I just felt like I got to go connect to God. Just something, something, it's just pulling on me. So I went to my parents' bedroom and opened my dad's big King James Bible and just laid there in the bed and read. I didn't understand what I was reading, but I was just trying to open that door, just trying to get through that door that had been opened and trying to connect, trying, Lord, I hear you, I, I, but I just, I feel so strange outside of this. I just feel this haunting, this wooing, this calling, this beckoning from you, and I'm here to say whatever it is you want, I'll do. That night we had church service. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to be a 
qualified Christian, you went to Sunday night church too. That meant you were real serious about your walk with God. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And so Sunday night we had that service, and, and I'm still all day long. It's just I feel so strange. I feel so different and uh, distant at the same time from everybody. But it wasn't like necessarily a bad thing. It was just a new thing. I didn't know. It all these new feelings and um, just a, a whole new awareness of God in my life. And so I, we, come, we come into church, and the pastor has us up front. You know, it's a little bitty church there in Oklahoma, and, and we're all up front praying and, and holding hands and standing in a circle. And, and all of a sudden, I, I find myself saying, Pastor, can I say something? And he says, yeah. And I can remember holding my little finger up and saying, thus says the Lord. That's all I remember I said, but I prophesied. My mom even wrote notes about it and talked about that day and kept a journal about it, how odd and wonderful it was, um, I, I couldn't explain what was happening. I just knew that God had called me. He had marked me for his purpose, this little runt kid, big old glasses, in Thackerville, Oklahoma. Little did I know where that would take me in life or what I would experience. But listen to me. You, you, you try to disqualify yourself by your weakness and by your inability and by your lack of education, be careful. God is saying, yep, 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 yep. I'm getting all the glory on this one. <laughs> so that no flesh, this is why, so that no flesh, I think it's verse 29 of that same chapter, is that right? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. Praise the Lord. See, the Lord told Gideon, I know who you are better than you know yourself. But I'm more concerned with what you can become than what you are now. I hear your excuses. I'm here to tell you that's why I greeted you first thing, mighty men of valor, when he was anything less than that. But this is what he saw. This is what he saw. And so that makes all the difference. You know, others may look at you and only see your flaws. And, you know, we all have plenty of those. That God looks at us and sees our possibilities. And he speaks into your possibility. He speaks into your potential. He speaks into that purpose that he put into your life. But don't forget, he knit you together as you were being, as you were cooking in your mother's womb, God was knitting together his purpose and plan. He had nine months, just you and him, working it all out. Amen. So he, and, and this peace of God comes when we acknowledge his presence in our lives. We acknowledge his call, and we trust his power to transform our potential into reality. Praise God. Let's go over to Judges again, if we can. I'll just keep you for 78 more minutes. Just to, just to bump up the story a little bit. So uh, Gideon amasses this army, 32,000 men. And uh, so they come out, and the Lord looks over this army, and he says, that's too many. Well, 32,000 wasn't even close to what the Midianites already had. It was already 
uh, a lopsided battle. And the Lord said, no, that's too many. He said, Gideon, tell him this. Any of you that are afraid to fight today, you can go home. 22,000 go home. 22,000. It's Gideon and 10,000. You know, Gideon's like, uh, and then the Lord says, still too many. By the end of it, it's Gideon and 300 men. Gideon and his 300 men. And you know what happened? They whipped the dog out of the Midianites, though greatly outnumbered. You know why? Because God still does miracles. And those that are seeking and those that are expecting those things will see those things. As I said, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. That phrase is seven times throughout the book of Judges. And every time that that phrase appears, someone, ha someone has died. That phrase appears after a judge has died. It says, it'll say like the land had rest for 40 years. But after Ehud died, uh, they did evil in the sight of the Lord again. After Gideon died, and the children of Israel. After Deborah, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord again. It's like, as long as that judge was alive, they had peace. As long as that judge was alive, everything was good. But as soon as they died, the people went astray. Now remember, these are all just pictures, just types of the great deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come and save us from our sins. And what a great salvation he brought to us. What a great salvation he brought to us. huh? We who were dead in our trespasses, lost, gone, done, he made alive together with him, having Thank you, Lord. Having redeemed us and having purchased us with his blood, we who were far off have now been brought near by the blood. I mean, what a salvation. What an inheritance that we've been brought into. It's a glorious thing because Jesus didn't just do kind of what the blood of bulls and goats did, trying to cover the matter. No, by his blood, he eradicated the matter. He took the sins of the world away. Amen. This lamb of God, this perfect lamb. Amen. Securing for us that he died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. Now think about this for a moment tonight. If we, what we learn from the book of Judges, if the people's freedom and their security uh, and their liberation from bondage lasts as long as the judge's lifespan, Consider that Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. And as long as the deliverer is alive, there's deliverance for you. As long as he's alive, there's freedom. As long as he is alive, there are miracles. And the scripture says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And when Jesus died, the Bible says that he died and he lives never to die again. Woo, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As long as your deliverer is alive, you've got hope. How long is Jesus going to be alive? Forever. That means your deliverance is forever. That means your salvation is forever. Man, I needed a better amen than that. I said your deliverance is forever. Your salvation is forever. As a matter of fact, Paul teaches us that Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come. When did he do that? Not just what was back here, but that which is to come. He delivered us from that wrath. 
because this deliverer is alive and well. Thank God he's, he delivered us from hell. Thank God he brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, delivered us from eternal destruction. But my family, that's just part of the deal. There's deliverance every day. If he's alive, then there's deliverance now for you. There's a way out. There's a way up. There's a way over. There's a way through. Because he brings the victory when he comes. Hallelujah. And he's alive forevermore. I want us to stand up for just a moment. I'll stand up for just a moment. Let's take a moment to bless his name. To, to let the fruit of our lips, the scripture says, bring that sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Let him hear your voice tonight. Let him hear your praise and gratitude. Let him, and, 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 and invite him by saying, where are the miracles? I'm looking for them. I am looking for I'm expecting them. I don't want to hear about somebody else's some other time. I thank you, God, that you're the God of miracles now. You're my help right now. You're my deliverer right now. You're my favor right now. You're my help right now. You're my healer right now. So you who are making intercession for me, the great deliverer, Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for freeing lives tonight. Thank you, Lord, for hope rising in their hearts. Thank you, Lord, that, 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 that discouragement and depression and, and, and uh, uh, Lord, just disappointments tonight, Lord, would just go away like clouds being blown away by the winds. And the light of His love, the light of His truth, the light of who He is shining bright in our hearts and lives tonight. Show us the glory, God. Do that in our lives. He is here now. He's not just yesterday and forever. He's today. He's today in this moment. In this moment. So, thank Him for that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for meeting needs tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That you always give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That you always lead us in triumph. In Jesus' name. Father, I want to say, I thank you right now for touching Miss Valida's body. Lord, you sent your word and you healed her and you delivered her from her destruction. And we declare that she is healed right now by our right now deliverer our right now healer in Jesus name if you know somebody that needs healing or you need some, somebody that has a need just just say their just speak their name right now just speak their name let the deliverer hear that name and you stand in, on their behalf you speak on their behalf tonight thank you father thank you lord right now in Jesus name for touching lives here and touching lives everywhere god those that we're connecting you to right now we we put their name before you and we thank you lord for bringing the provision the breakthrough the miracle right now Hallelujah. Our helper, our rock, our fortress, our God, our deliverer. In you we will trust. In you we will trust tonight. Thank you, Lord. This deliverance that Jesus brought is not a temporary deliverance. Thank you, Lord. It's the ultimate deliverance. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know what that means? The door is open. Huh? The door is open. The door is open. Come on, say it. The door is open. The door is open. Amen. Here it is. Here it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and all of your house and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.